You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, how's everybody doing? I um, uh, hope you enjoyed last night's episode on the schedule release. Uh, it was cool for us, obviously. You know, uh, ton ton of listens today. Uh, you know, as we were the first ones kind of ha- to have it out there and uh, you know get the show up. Uh, if you haven't gotten to it yet, uh, please do. Um, the exuberance and the excitement of that is just, I mean, such bullshit easy schedule. It's it, just it's, so easy. It's that's the scariest part of it all, Pete. I mean, you want to know what? I mean, and look, and this, it's just another thing where it ramps up the expectations of what should be there for this franchise. And look, this is what you've all been waiting for. And you've been waiting a really long time. You've been probably not so patient about it and deservedly so. That's fine. Um, but look, I mean, it's it, it, it's time. There's just no way around it. So we're going to get into your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, we got a bunch of you know, different stuff here we can get to. We're going to get to uh, you know, Pete's Brown board of 50 guys. But first thing first, Pete, what the hell is with all these draft prospects and horses, dude? I, I've never seen anything like this in terms of, like, this is like a trend. And this uh, isn't just Devin I've White, guys. It's Ed Oliver, and now Benny Snell has entered the fray. I, I, I You know, they're expensive, Pete. Um, yeah, I mean, Ed Oliver grew up on a ranch, like a, you know, I, I guess you'd call it a ranch. I mean, his dad owns a lot of land. He worked, you know, part of why he's such a big guy and his brother, both big guys, is they're enormous guys who, you know, took care of animals and all that stuff. So I'm assuming that's why he had them. And in that sense, you know, I, I understand it. I don't know enough about Devin White's background or Benny Snell's background or where they live and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, even if you were to uh, essentially adopt, you know, uh, thoroughbreds right off the track, which you know, not a, not a super expensive venture, um, you got to put them somewhere. And that boarding horses is not cheap. Uh, you know, I, I, it's you 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 you're, char- you're renting space to live. You're renting, you know, people taking care of them, and you're paying for all the uh, you know food and everything. So, in a lot of ways, it's like owning a boat. Uh, yeah, but see, the thing is, is you can put the boat on dry land for the nine months you're not using it or in your driveway. Yeah, um, that thing's still got to eat. Yeah, they're, they're still going to eat. They're still going to crap. Uh, they still need to be watered. Uh, look, I grew up on a horse farm. Um, fine animal. Um, and there were times where we had probably, you know, let's say max we had about, you know, eight, nine horses. Um, but, you know, that's two bales of hay in the morning for nine horses. It's two bales of hay at night. you got to feed grain to every one of these things morning and night. Um, in the dead of winter, you got to find a way to get water into a barn that could be 35, 40 degrees. None of, it's, just, it's just not fun, and it seems really, really interesting that this is something guys of this age with all they want to do besides play ball and obviously, you know, the nightlife and all the great stuff that they have at their disposal – Seems a really, really strange pet to have. Uh, me, personally, guys, maybe go get yourself a nice little bed of fish. You can drop a couple of flakes in there. Even Pete, we've talked about this before. Why does a cat work? The great thing about cats is you can go away for three, four days, make sure the litter box is clean, enough food on the floor, water, those suckers will be fine. It doesn't work that way with these type of animals. But, you know, just an interesting draft tidbit. So apparently horses, and I don't know if it's this new uh, Little Nas and Billy Ray Cyrus song where now everybody needs a freaking horse. But that's something we're doing. Um, Pete, you put out uh, your top 50 Browns, uh, Brown specific big board, correct? Just so I label it right, right? Yeah, that's accurate. Okay. Um, first things first, uh, why 50 and why not anymore? 
Um, so I did this last year. That was yes. the first time I did it. Uh, I had never actually gone to the trouble of actually making a vertical board. Um, last year, obviously, is highly influenced by the idea that the Browns were going to have you know five picks in the top uh, sixty-four. Um, I think initially I was one gonna, in the top fifty. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, initially I think I went to I think thirty-five because that was where the the second second round pick was, and I just sort of basically. Uh, uh, went ahead and went to 50. And initially, I, I think I got bullied into it by some, somebody like Jarnett or somebody giving me shit about it. Uh, Good job, Joe. So, yeah, I mean, that's where it evolved from. And then, obviously, you know, with the 50 players I did last year, you know, some of them obviously went later. Jannard Avery went 150th. Uh, and then some of them didn't even get drafted. So, which, you know, take that how you will. I, I'm not... The interest for me is not where they get picked so much as how they do in the league, but you know that at the very least it suggests and and with the filtering process that you know the, there will be players that, that the Browns will have an opportunity to take in the second round, potentially the third round, and so forth that are on this board. Uh, and you know hopefully last year I had four four picked um, and those four were really good. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, obviously the hope is that, you know, if they if they, they pick players off this board again, that they have a similar impact. Last year it was, you know, Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward, uh, Nick Chubb, and uh, Jannard Avery. And those were the four guys who, like, came in and really, really, really did well for themselves. Uh, obviously, Antonio Galloway is the other who was not on my board. But, you know, I'll take that sort of hit rate. Um, and look, I mean, you know, Galloway had his, you know, had his negatives. And look, I mean, you know, and we had discuss that at nauseum um but the, the the guy's done everything to this point and at this point you know hey god bless him stay on the path that you're at and you will be a starting wide receiver in the nfl congratulations i mean it's it's what you hope for and that's what you hope for when you, you you take one of these kids who's got some black flags that you get nervous about um as far as you know uh Pete, why don't you you know like obviously you know everybody knows the combination whether it is the tape it's the production it's the athletic numbers it's the testing numbers all that stuff here um like who were some guys for you that were tough but just weren't going to make the cut in terms of guys who are like i actually off. targeted or guys that guys yeah let's, um, let's so... put it this way less two or three off <sighs> the guy the, the guys who made it really you know that that you know I, I would have liked to include i suppose where uh, you know there was a way i was trying to get bobby okariki from stanford on there he would have been 51 you love these names you love them uh yeah stanford linebacker um other than that i mean it, it, it they were a lot of guys that basically like were not interesting so like jonathan abram is a clearly a very good player but um, and, and certainly, you know, fits all the production and all that stuff. But he's just a really poor fit, in my opinion, for where the Browns are going, um, especially with the addition of uh, uh, what's his face from Green Bay and Pittsburgh. Morgan Burnett. Uh, well, they, I mean, if you really wanted to, ch- if you really wanted to have a guy like Jabril Peppers who could excel in the box, but Abram, that's all he would do. At least Jabril, you know, we saw in year two, we saw him be able to do a little bit more than that. Um, and now it might be more of, I want to see what you can do when you're lined up 10 to 12 yards off the line of scrimmage as opposed to the majority of time being, you know, 5 to 6 yards off the line of scrimmage. Right. So, like, you know, I have – look, just to double check. Yeah, I have every um, defensive tackle I ranked 
um, on this board except for uh, Johanna Gaifan, at least for three techniques. I don't have any of the nose tackles on there. But uh, literally, the, the, you know, I, I have, I think, ten defensive tackles, three, three technique defensive tackles, and I think all of them are in the top 50. Um, but, like, corner, my next corner was Kadar Holloman, Toledo, and, and I think he's a nice player. I just don't, you know... I, I think the golf was too big for him to make it. Um, I think I had a similar issue with receiver where it's sort of like, like, you know, like my, I have one slot receiver on there, top slot receiver, AJ Brown. I think he's really good. My next one's Greg Dorch, who I like, but I just don't think it's, you know, going to go quite that early. And the same thing with receivers. It was, you know, the next one would have been Emmanuel Hall and, you know he's fine. I just don't think he was quite on that level. So really, you know, if it was the, you know, the guys who were basically next, um, it was a lot of linebackers at that point. It, it, you know, it's the same problem with sort of these offensive linemen. Like, um, I, t- I took. Uh, let's see, my cutoff was yeah. I went my Tyler Taylor Tyler Raymer was my last offensive tackle. And the next one up would have been Yash Nijman, who is borderline draftable. So, at least in my grade. Now, again, some of these guys may end up going undrafted anyway, but that's – it really wasn't – you know, and maybe that's an indictment on, on the talent in this class, but it really wasn't, like, difficult to sort of find a cutoff. It was really more of a – the bigger challenge for this was deciding what order they went in, and, and a couple things uh, got rearranged at various points. Um, with guys making, you know, some, some big moves like Michael Dogbay went, you know, I uh, put him on there and I, you know, I sort of went through it again and had to put him higher. Uh, let's see. Um, guys like Julian Love had to go higher. Um, you know, he's really, really difficult to argue with his profile and what he's done at Notre Dame. He's just a really, really good player. Um, even if he's not super exciting, Chris Lidstrom is a guy who had to go really high because he's phenomenal. Um, he's just, in the guard on the list. And that's just because he's good. It's not even that there's really a need. He's just really damn good. No, I mean, it's, it's to the, you know, it's the idea that he is so good that, you know, that you basically get him and you say, okay, Joe, Joe Batonio is going to be a left tackle next year. That's going to be how you solve the problem. He's good enough where you're saying, we'll make that move. Or Garrett Bradbury's 22 on this list, and he's good enough. If, if the Browns needed a center, uh, he'd been in the top 10. Um, but, you know, with J.C. Treader, he's a 22, but he's good enough where if you took him, uh, you could, you know, you could say, you know, we're, we're moving on from J.C. Treaders a cost-cutting move or something along that line, or we're finding another place to put him, uh, one of these guys at guard or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it was the order was the most difficult part. All right. Um, well, this was one listener question, so we'll bring this in here. Sorry, folks, a little agita today here. Um, Pete... They keep asking the questions, and obviously John had his you know, pre-draft presser today. Um, and the name keeps coming up. Our boy, our favorite DJ, Chad Thomas. And I guess basically it is, is you know, what would get us to buy in to Chad Thomas? Um, here's the thing. Just I'll, I'll go with this to start. Is for John to come up and say, oh, well, we think he could be a nice rotational piece today. 
because that's essentially what John said. You drafted him in the third round last year on a team that was 0-16 at the time. He couldn't find a rotational piece, a rotational spot last year where you were taking really solid quality players and just grinding them into the dirt. I mean, how, how, Pete? How, how are we supposed to? I mean, look, I mean, I understand what he's got to say because he's the GM of this team. And, you know, he's not going to say just, you know, less than one year to the day say, all right, I missed. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm I'm still in no way to believe that he's going to be any part of this team in 2019. I, I'd be stunned if he was on that roster for the Tennessee Titan home opener. Yeah, uh, lowered expectations um, seems to be the theme here. Uh, the idea that That's you're, you're shooting it. for for and granted, you're, you're, you, I mean, it doesn't sound as bad when you when you go. Well, we have Olivier Vernon, Jannard Avery, uh, and, and Miles Garrett, and you know uh, some of these other players that yes, you know, but, some guy, being a, but some of those guys that are still there, those guys dressed, he didn't. So yes. now, oh, why I'm, would they not be the you know the rotational pieces? Right. I mean, look, that's that's the most optimistic viewpoint you could possibly have. It's 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 not, you know, a question of winning with the pick at this point. Anything out of the pick at this point. Like that's again, it's not where you want to be. And you know, you got like Hiram taking up for you know <laughs> over something that was said at press conference. Yeah. Well, like I, you know, what is he going to say that this guy sucked? We shouldn't have picked him, and I made a huge mistake by cut, you know, keeping him for uh, another player on this team. Uh, it's yeah. I, I mean, it's April eighteenth. Um, you're hoping that you know he comes in and, and gives you something. Um, in five months, is he going to be on this team? I doubt it. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't see him able to contribute enough where it's going to make any difference. But even if he does, you know, he's got to be active. He's actually going to contribute. He has no tackles yet in his career. Um, that's not good. Like, I don't know how you're going to fix that in an off season. I don't know how you go from, you know, a guy who is lazy uh, a guy who was not working as hard as guys who are already way better than him, uh, and now you're going to catch up by doing less. Now maybe he's you know found you know the motivation to really bust his ass and catch up. But I I, I just think it's it's a lot like Desmond Harrison. I think you're at such a dis- you're already so far behind that you're you're basically trying to make you know catch up with guys who are just way better than you, and it's almost impossible. So I don't. I don't see how it happens. I'd love to be surprised and say, you know, this guy is, well, let's start with has a pulse and then see if he can and contribute. But, like, yeah, I mean, you're, there's just nothing that really says, man, this is going to be a great idea. This is a great pick. Um, and here's the thing, and this was what it got down to when we did the, you know, the post-draft show wrap-ups last year. He is too small and not strong enough to play on the inside. And so if you told him to go down to 270, he's not athletic enough to play on the outside. He's the ultimate tweener. Um, And normally you can get away with a tweener if they have crazy work ethic. You know, Chris Smith is a little bit undersized, plays at a defensive end. Uh, You have a guy like Anthony Zettel who's got a bunch of deficiencies but gives you all the effort in the world. Uh, Look, let's put it this way. Chad Thomas suits up 
uh, let's put it at 10 to 15 tackles. It's not going to be a win because you drafted him in the third round, but at least you got something out of him. I guess that's the answer you're all looking for. Um, but no, I do not see a way yet where he will. We will see him, and again, in even if he is on the roster for the Tennessee game, he probably wouldn't dress. And so now you're just hanging on to something for the sake of hanging on to it. Uh, guys, iTunes rating reviews. Uh, do me. Favor, go over, uh, you know, drop a five-star over there, leave a written review. Obviously, always helps with the show's growth and success. means a ton. Thank you so much for that. Pete, we'll now get to the second part. Um, now, uh, you know, peppered with a bunch of Duke Johnson questions. And, look, I, I look once you put a guy on the market, I don't know, Pete, that he necessarily ever comes back, and it, it, especially during the offseason. It's not like you're in season now and you've got some injuries and, you know what, maybe now Duke can play a slot role or, you know, I don't know what, Nick Chubb's got a little bit of dinged up shoulder. You want to save him some carries. So nothing's changed. Um, like, much of I talked about, Leo, I've reached out, you know, uh, the Jets would like a third-round pick for Deron Lee. Uh, the Browns are not happy that they can only get a fifth-round pick for Duke Johnson. I guess at this point, Pete, you're just trying to make it as pretty possible and see if something comes your way uh, next Thursday, Friday night, something that can, something comes to pass there where maybe you find a way where you can jump up using Duke's ammunition there, but it's, I mean, you can keep saying these things, but it, nothing's changed, so why would the value or the role or what they think about Duke Johnson, nothing's changed football-wise, so why all of a sudden now is it going to change? The only thing I got out of that um, was basically a subtle message of saying if if teams don't offer more than they're offering we're not going to move him um they don't have to move him um which and, is okay that's fine it, it it was it was it was interesting on a couple levels first he said the coaching staff wants him to be here um i never i never doubted that in the first place um that you know that if he's here that um, Freddie Kitchens would use him, and and I thought with an offseason would weigh more out of him. That was always my belief. What I found really interesting was the way that Dorsey framed it, in that he so like this going to really put your foot in your mouth. Um, that this was no idea. So it, it always felt like Duke Johnson. The the idea of a, a you know Duke Johnson demanding a trade was more of in response. We're, we don't feel all that great about him, and Duke Johnson. It seems like was basically saying, if you don't want me, let's move on. Like let's not mess around. I want to play football. Um, again, I could be loud wrong on that, but I, I thought that was an interesting dynamic. So it really does feel like it's it's one of those. You know, in the same way, the Cardinals are basically saying, "Well, we could keep Josh Rosen." Um, I think it's more along those lines. I think the the uh, thing still gets done ultimately, one way or the other. But it is interesting, and, and it, I think it would be very interesting overall if, if we get to a point where they're basically like, "Look, it's not worth trading. He's a good football player. Uh, we aren't getting enough in return, and, and presumably, it's a player or a move up in the draft." Um, it certainly right now it would sound like player for player deals. Um, but you know, if we get to a point where, you know, we do come back and we're saying we have Duke Johnson, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. And, you know, I, again, I, I've said this all along. I don't think Duke Johnson has a bitter bone in his body. 
Um, I think if he's here, he's going to be a professional. I think he's uh, always been a really fascinating barometer for the team and the way he sort of conducts himself and the way he does interviews because he says a lot without saying a lot. Uh, but, I, you know, I think if you sort of embrace him and you use him to a skill set that he can be a really, really nice player, whether that's in the slot, whether that's doing some tailback stuff, just basically calling him a joker and a, a move position player that he can just find spots on the field. And, I, you know, obviously this is not a surprise coming from me, but I still think he's a better slot receiver than Jarvis Landry. He just does more for you. Like, you know, just thinking back to last season, even as rarely as he seemed to be utilized, he always felt like the more dangerous guy with the ball in his hands. Uh, look, it, it it was never, and you know, we've gotten some discussion of this. This it was never about moving Duke Johnson. It was about the fact that it just seemed like the inevitable was going to happen. Me, if I'm going to what should be the most anticipated Brown season in what 30 years, if not more, all hands on deck. I mean, if it's not, I mean, if it's not killing you monetary wise. Um, you know, and I look. I, you know, I. It did seem weird that you tried to say it was all on Duke, because look, if you're looking at it from Duke's standpoint, yeah, you're sticking aggravated. Um, like, what do I got to do? Like, because every time you call my number, I do a pretty damn good job. So, you know, why can't I get my number called more? Do I possibly have more people in the league who have interest and would like to use me more? Because at the end of the day, dude, he is a football player. He wants to play football. He wants to, you know, get the rock in his hands as much as possible. If it comes down to, I mean, look, if there's a way you can trade up for something and secure what would be a much bigger asset, I'll get it. Um, but if it is the fifth round going, if that's the the going rate is a fifth round pick for Duke Johnson, no, then but yeah, yeah, by all means, we'll keep him. And I guess I've tweeted this several times. Some of you still think, you know, I'm anti Duke. It's not that I'm anti Duke Johnson. Um, but part of it is I do want to see Duke Johnson go somewhere and be able to excel. Uh, you know, the guy's put in his dues. I think it's time where he deserves, you know, a larger piece of the pie. Um, I also do think that you can start to, you know, maybe try to debut some things, you know, some new things here with the passing game where you're going to be able to add Kareem Hunt to that. And whether, you know, I mean, you could still do two back sets where Nick's getting a blow and you've got Duke and you've got Kareem Hunt in the backfield. How the hell are you going to defense that? I, I just, you know, I don't think, and this would be without a trade-up for a certain player that they would absolutely need, I don't know how moving on from Duke Johnson necessarily makes you a better football team. I just, you know, I don't see it, you know, from respect. But, uh, you know, at the end of the, you know, but, look, when there's so much smoke, there's, you know, there's fire, you kind of got to believe that. And does it suck? Yeah, it does. Because, I mean, Duke's been a pretty good soldier for his entire time here. So it's just, it's rough, but, you know, it's, it's the way this is all working here. Um, this is actually uh, an interesting one here. Um, and it's D underscore no. I know he's one of the uh, one of my guys. from. We have a couple of people who listen from Australia pretty faithfully. Pete, what is the best O-line combination when the season finishes of what's in-house currently? That's interesting. Um, I mean... Well, I think we know where we're taking our jab at, possibly right tackle, I'm thinking. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's... Greg Robinson, you know, Joe Batonio, J.C. Treader, Austin Corbett, and then, you know, I, I, it, based on, you know, sheer size, um, you're basically hoping it's Kendall Lamb. Um, is that realistic? I, I don't know. Um, but I, I certainly think the Browns would like that to be the scenario or that, you know, somehow having 
both guys somehow pushes them to both play better than they have uh, and make it you know less painful that they're giving uh, Chris Hubbard that much money. But you know, again, I think one way or the other, Chris Hubbard's going to be gone next year, uh, and and you know, so, so long as he doesn't get injured or you know really regress, I think that's going to be Kendall Lamb's job. It's just a question of when. Uh, that's that's a fairly good point. Obviously, injuries come into play here. Um, Patrick uh, Mula, Patrick Mullen. Um, obviously, we did the Chad Thomas thing, and obviously, I just want to give you the proper uh, addressing there. Obviously, you know, we went to Chad Thomas for you. Look, I mean, some of it is tongue in cheek, and you like to have a little fun with it. But I mean, look, nothing, nothing's come of Chad Thomas to this point. So, and look, I mean, you hope it does. <laughs> you hope it does, but I, I'm not necessarily sure I see it happening. Uh, Daniel Cooksey. Is it a mortal lock, Pete? Jeffrey Simmons ends up being drafted by John Dorsey. No, um, and that's simply because somebody else could pick him. Um, there's, got, there's, a, there's a lot of competition there. I mean, and there's a lot of competition even still. I mean, you know, I would be stunned if New England said, I don't care about pick 32. Sure, Jeffrey Simmons, come on down. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I The thing that's, like, it frustrates me is, like, it's gotten to the point where, like, if if you even use this as a smokescreen, you sort of like the damage is theoretically done. I mean, it wouldn't be, but it sort of is like you've put your lot in with him so far to this point. You've basically, you know, given another example where you just don't give a shit about women uh, and what is done to them. Uh, even if you know, obviously his situation is slightly different, and it's you know years since the incident, and you know he's had time to sort of and kind of protecting know. his sister, where he could have just gotten everybody the hell out of Dodge. But uh, you know, and guys, this isn't a knock on Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, you know, Pete and I we've done this a couple times off air. But like, man, it, it's a shame because this kid is freaking talented. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Obviously, the knee is a part of it. I wouldn't want him to see the field until 2020. I, I, I don't know if the Browns would feel the same way. But, uh, um, yeah, so no, I don't think it's more of a lock. I, I, you know, i wondering if he's really the fallback option. Um, if, you know, Justin Lane or one of those safeties they really like is sitting there, uh, you know, they may grab them. And if not, then maybe they grab Jeffrey Simmons. Uh you know, the the thing that I hope is not the case is the idea of trading up for Simmons, like giving up other assets to get a guy who's not going to play for you. And I understand, um, you know, he is talented, but there's just it, – it's injuries make it a different deal. Um, yeah, so definitely not a moral lock. And, and there are other teams that are going to do this. I, I still think Miami makes the most sense because they're not going anywhere this year anyway. So they can sort of, you know, take a player – that's not going to play this year at all, not affect them in their draft status, and they get sort of like an extra bonus player next year when they're sort of ready to uh, take uh, Tua or whichever quarterback and have a big class and 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 hopefully you know turn it around. Oh, you know, I, I agree with that. And 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 for me now, look, I mean, you know, I, I I'm getting to the point and I hate it where it's just like, well, you know, they don't care about these type of incidents incidences and you know that aggravates me obviously as a father of two daughters that does it, it does aggravate me and you know guys you know me and pete stance here look uh, that's just it just doesn't need to happen that's all it, it, it just doesn't you can go other avenues especially with the su- success you're currently having um and i 100 percent agree i i up from 49 to get acquire a guy who cannot be a most likely should not be a part of the 2019 season 
when now all of a sudden the expectations are through the roof, you've been given this gift of a schedule. No, I, I, there's other D tackles I'd be okay with. And here's the other thing. Even if Jeffrey Simmons was still healthy right now, yes, but Pete, we talked about this with Oliver. He's, he's rotating in. He's not starting. Well, that part, I you know. I, I, I know, I, I, I know. I'll let you have your part on this guide. I, I think, you know, that part of it, I could care less. I mean, it's a murderer's row. People are going to yeah, die. <laughs> I mean, well, no, I mean, look, you're, you're aiming at a, a good number. You know, if you have a productive, you know, defensive tackle that can play a lot of snaps is 70%. So if you rotate it um, correctly, then if you have three studs, you should, you know, you, you do it right. You can always have two of them on the field and keeping the other guy fresh. So from that standpoint, I got no problem with it. It was the same, you know, I had the same uh, conversation when it came to Bradley Chubb in a, in a the, you know, in a, in a theoretical situation where Ogbo was really good and Miles Garrett would continue to be a stud that if you did it right, you'd always have two studs on the field. The Browns are in, in that situation at edge now. Um, so that part, uh, you know, I'm all for getting as many. I mean, I want two defensive tackles anyway. Um, I have no problem with taking Kalen Saunders super early if they feel the, uh, the the want to do that. It's just a question of um, managing them properly so you get that ma- maximum impact. Oh, yeah. No, and look, I mean, I don't know. It, 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 you know, the injury, that's the part that concerns me. It is part of the fact that, you know, it doesn't need to be in my in our, you know, and, and we've gone through this, Pete. I mean, there's guys we love later. Obviously, Kalen Saunders we agree with. Obviously, Michael Dogbay we agree with. Um, some one of us likes Ronell Wren. We're not going to get into who somebody. Yeah, one not. of us wish it, One of us thinks he you know would have been great if he produced. And one of those guys over at Draft Network has him a second round pick, so I'm not alone on this. It's a small hill for Mister Ronell Wren. Yeah, but you and you and traits tape, traits guys. <laughs> and you know who else has traits? Or at least he used to until he ran. Josh Jacobs. Eh, we called that one a mile away, Pete. We're, we're going to take that W. We called that one a while away, and it's going to be great. great. It's going to be great. Traits. It's going to be great when he gets five touches in a row and says, "Can I go get my hour and fifteen minute breakdown before I have to go in the game again?" Which is not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> um, it, uh, we do have one more here, and this is from Giovanni Ruiz, and I, I hate to skip him because he's always pretty faithful with this. Um, uh, I know Stephen Thomas talks about him a lot. Um, I, I think he came up. I, I think the word of the question came up. He maybe came on one of Jake uh, J- uh, Jake Burns's podcast. Um, Trey Watson out of Maryland, Pete. Um, I don't know if he's a guy. Me and you have mentioned a lot. Where are you at? Uh, production's fine. Uh, I think his athleticism ended up being underwhelming. Um, you watch him on tape, and he is an old school. Mike, like in the way that you put him there, B-gap to B-gap, he's going to freaking knock people out. Um, and if, if, if you like that and you're okay with that, then then you can go that route. Um, I, I think he actually shows a little more range than his athleticism would suggest on tape, but ultimately he is a guy who's like the old school take on the boss block type and just maul people, explosive hitter, um, intimidator from that standpoint. But, sounds like yeah. sounds like you're f- describing former Maryland middle linebacker EJ Henderson is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what he is. So I'm, you know, I think there are better just linebackers that can do a little bit more. I but, think we have that guy. I think I think we're good at Mike. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's the problem is if you take a, a Trey Watson, you're, you're basically making him a Sam and a backup Mike at best. Um, unless you're, unless at some point you're basically going to say, we're going to move Joe Schobert to, uh, to will, um, which, you know, that I, I could see where that would happen. I just don't think that would happen for the sake of a guy like Trey Watson. No, not somebody's going to brought it in day three. Uh, remember, everybody, to get the show every day, subscribe to Lockdown Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding uh, ever podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists, and they bring you new features every day. Um, get to your app store, download Himalaya, make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns. We got one more here to close it out with Pete, and you know this is uh, you know I, I can't lie, I'm a, I'm a little concerned about this one, but this seems more of a you know a a camp type of thing. Pete Joe Schobert, no extension yet. Do we really want to let this one play out, or is it more of back and forth? You know, and look, you know Joe, we'd love to have you. Let's not go for these flashy what look you know on paper essentially one to two year deals what's going to make joe happy for you know because they have every intention if they sign him a four-year extension they have every intention of keeping him for those four years you know is there a hold up here or is it just maybe not the time right now with the drafts and everything else that's going on yeah i think the hold up is demarius randall um that seemed to be the guy they were trying to get done first because there's more of a immediacy thing uh, there and potentially a way to save some cap room. Whereas whatever Joe Schobert signs, uh, you know, that obviously is, is a big deal and, and going to get situated. But I think that becomes an easier negotiation. I think Demarius Randall's is a more complicated one. Uh, and I think, you know, that may play out in the draft. It's theoretically possible that they could take a couple and, and look at one maybe as the replacement if they don't feel like it's going to go to a place they want to go to. Um, but they've got a bunch of guys to negotiate. Um, it's, you know, Schobert's obviously a super important one, but um, Randall, if they believe he's, they want him to be uh, a, a big part of this defense, I, I don't think he's worth, you know, nine, nine, 10 million annually, but he's probably looking at these contracts around the league and going, why not? Um, but also, J.C. Treader's a guy who needs to get locked up. Uh, this is last year, his deal too. Um, so you have a bunch of guys, and this is, you know, this is where the Browns want to be. I guess they are in a place where they're trying to keep guys that there are good football players, or at least they believe are good football players. So, and then you've still got Odell Beckham. You're allegedly going to redo uh, Olivier Vernon. You're allegedly going to do. Um, so there's, there's a lot to go on in terms of those contracts. And I don't know when we're going to see these get done, but it would not, it's going to be, uh, it'll be Pete, it'll be at least two weeks. It'll be at least two weeks. They're a little bit busy what they're doing right now. (laughs) Right. Well, the thing is, I'm wondering if when it happens, we're going to see a flurry of these things get done. Um, or if it's going to be a time consuming thing, but if you're, you know, you look at it, it is April 18th. It's not, you know, we're not in a situation where, um, you know, it's about to start the season or middle of the season or end of the season, whatever. It's there is more than enough time. And I think when you get to May and June, uh, I think that's where that stuff's really going to start going um, into July. I think that's where the, they're going to get done. I think obviously at some point they basically took a break um, on some level. 
and have sort of shifted focus. Now, they, obviously, they have they can walk and chew gum at the same time, um, but uh, I, I do think at some point they're basically saying we are here. Let's you know freeze it for a moment. We'll see where the draft ends up because that may change their priorities on that. Of course. Uh, and then and then revisit. But yeah, they, I mean they've got a lot of deals they want to do or redo. Um, you know, Odell Beckham's not staying on that contract with no guaranteed money. Um, you know, Olivier Vernon's not staying on that contract either. So they've got a lot they've got to do, and some just need to get done sooner than others. Um, before we put a bow on this, I do want to put uh, I, I want to bring this one up here, Pete, because um, you can check your DMs and get a good chuckle. Um, so. Yeah, it was pretty good, right? Um, Dave Gettleman, uh, he just the guy just can't stop himself. Um, we went into last year thinking that Eli Manning had plenty left in the tank, and he proved it. So Eli proved he had plenty left in the tank, but you had to move on from Odell. I, I, I oh my God, I just, I have no idea. I, I, I literally. If anybody, and I, I know we've said this before, Pete, if anybody has anybody in the New York Giants building has any idea what exactly their game plan is, please in, enlighten the class because we're all freaking over. We're all sitting over here freaking stunned out of our minds, and we have no idea what you're doing. And everyone just, I don't think there's anyone to a man now that doesn't think this Daniel Jones thing is going to happen. And uh, Trevor Sakama, God bless him today, uh, host the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I found the way Daniel Jones can help you. And it was Daniel Jones quick kicking from the 35-yard line on a fourth and two. Uh, Pete, are they just that old? Is Are they just that that just that just antiquated? They, what the hell is going on, dude? I would say it's all a lie, except he's been saying this for the better part of, like, six months, it feels like. No, when uh, he took the job, he went on all this local radio here. He's got years of good football yeah. left. No. So, yeah, like, on the, but that's the thing is, like, even if he believes that there's, you know, when they take a quarterback at, like, either 6 or 17 or wherever – you know, it's hard to get. And but then, like the other day, I think it was it yesterday. He was like, "Don't don't forget about Laletta." Yeah, like, that came out this morning. It, it's just all over, it's just all over the map. Where you're just like, "Huh?" It, it, and it, now the rumor it, is it, that maybe they might look to trade back into round one. So maybe they realize really deep into the sauce if they're going to take Danny Jones at six or even at seventeen. But if we take it at thirty, it's okay. Nobody will really care or notice. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I don't think they know what the hell a quarterback looks like. Well, that and you know, since he's been there, you know, Dave Gettleman and and Pat Shermer have given you a a fantastic uh, how to on how not to run a franchise, how to run it exactly opposite. You take a running back second overall, and then you tear down, um, and then you try to claim your building. Uh, and then you tear down some more contracts, and you trade away your best player far and away, and you extend the the other guy. Um, and you do and, not, you don't move Landon Collins when the ship is sunk, and you let Landon Collins just walk out of the building, and you get zero compensation for him. 
and you ruin the compensatory value when you sign uh, Golden Tate, baby. Golden Tate, which helped the Eagles out and gives them compensatory value, and they're not in a position where they're trying to rebuild. They're just getting more assets to put them in a stronger position. Uh, mission accomplished. And then, you know, and then you know, all of this is happening, and you have no plan at quarterback th- at this point. That that at least makes sense. Even if you take you know Daniel Jones, that doesn't look like a great option. But it, it just this all has this thing getting just completely obliterated either in a year if they're smart or god forbid they wait two years and keep letting Shermer and Gettleman just continue to be awful but they they have just about everything they could possibly do wrong or confused or backward they've done Uh, I, I hated the hires when they were made and they've done nothing but validate it and it's been great for the Browns but um, if you're a New York Giants fan and, and you're trying to, you know, and the, the, you know, the Maras are a legendary ownership and they get so much uh, credibility uh, just by existing. Um, you are, you know, if if the if the Jets can get up to that point in time, they um, you know, G bus may as well be running that too. Um, yeah, I mean, if they want to hire, they can hire. Um... Guys, uh, we're going to put a wrap on this here. Um, look, we're going to continue to come at, um, if you, anybody's missed a show or two, um, we're going to try to do Thursday night. We'll probably do like, you know, three three shows cut up. Um, maybe we'll, you know, we'll find a way, you know, we, we definitely want to have like the 20 plus range. And this will be just enough to bite us in the ass where the Browns do make a major move and trade up. Um, but we're going to try to be able to weigh, you know, if the Browns do have activity that night. But look, I mean, Pete and I have been covering the draft, and obviously we started this with intentions of drafting at pick 17. We've got just draft loss in general here. So, you know, we'll probably get you out. You know, the plan is to get you out three shows that night on uh, Thursday. You know, at, you know, we'll record. You know, I'll get them loaded up. You know, take a quick break or whatever, and we'll come on back. Look, we're going to be watching it. You know, we're going to be laughing. We've, we've got these takes in the holster ready to go anyway, so we're going to do it that way. Um, but I do appreciate everybody, you know, you guys all being along for the ride here. Um, the response has been fantastic here. So, you know, just keep that coming here, you know, whether it's iTunes, radio, guys, help me out, retweet the living daylights out of the show. Some of you are fantastic with that. Um, you know, Pete has put out, uh, you know, obviously a 135 big board yesterday. He puts you out the Browns big board at 50 today. Check all that out over at NFL Spin Zone. Obviously, you know, Pete's got him on his page. Um, make sure you're following Pete as he's closing in a 5K at underscore Pete Smith underscore, underscore, sorry. Um, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. Um, guys, always just keep the follows there. We follow back. Um, you guys are fantastic. Any questions? You know, I know a lot of you are not big Twitter people, so that's fine. But uh, if you choose to be or whatever, or you don't want to get caught in the crowd, come over there. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, you know, go ahead and follow me over there. It, 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 we're having fun here, guys, and it, it's crazy that we'll be about, I guess, Pete, about what? Probably maybe four or five, six picks deep a week from now here as we get to 2019. Um, the obviously the NFL draft as it kicks off in Nashville, it's it's just been an insane ride. It goes, we always say, oh, it seems like it's forever away, and then all of a sudden, in the blink of an eye, it shows on up. This we is, we are we are getting to the 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 point of the draft process where get get here already with the some of the insanity that's coming out uh, in terms of reports and various thoughts and stuff. Like I'm fine, you're fine, but <laughs> like the rest yeah. of the world. Uh, is 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 losing their shit right about now. I mean, we're mo- literally we're like it's almost like it's driving right now with like the emergency brake on. It's just it's like all right. I mean, you know, and look, you can't fast. You know, you can't fast forward till next to next Thursday. It's just just the way it works, guys. 
patient. Uh, look, it's Easter weekend. Obviously, you know, tomorrow is Passover. Everybody enjoy it, and we'll still be pushing you out, you know, product and content. Um, you know, enjoy it. Look, take this weekend. Have some fun here. And here's the best part, guys. By the time we get to the draft and it's over, that's it. The weather's nice. Everything's going to be good. Everyone get out of the house. Just look at it from that standpoint. But we're there. We're almost there. It's close. It's close, guys. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LLB. Let's go Browns.